strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. I'm going to ask the question, what now? What now? As a conservative Republican myself, been involved for years, um, and going back, my first foray was a volunteer on the Bush campaign back in 04 um, here in Arizona and traveled the country on behalf of the former president during his reelection bid and kind of got my feet wet politically and I caught the bug and I love it. I love uh, talking about it. I love discussing it. I love being involved in it. Not so much the party politics, but the issues behind it. And so there has been, in my estimation, there has been a disconnect between party leadership. It isn't just this party leadership, although this is a culmination of a lot of things, but party leadership. And I'm not talking about just the chairperson of the Republican Party. I'm talking about the county Republican parties and, and the, the, the district parties and, and leadership. The district chairs, the county chairs, and the people that are the decision makers within the Republican Party have got to take a good hard look at what's been happening over the last years. Uh, I started this conversation this morning by saying let's go back even further than this election or going back to 2020. Let's go back to the McCain years. Um, I had disagreements with John McCain. Let's just be clear about this. One of the things about Senator McCain is Senator McCain would talk to me like I was a colleague, like a peer, which was shocking to me because I was a novice compared to him in knowledge of issues. But I disagreed with him and he would talk to me about our disagreements and, and it was I learned a lot from him. So the idea that being somebody um, that was a friend of John McCain and I was, as odd as that sounds to say, I respected him immensely. But I didn't always agree with him and I don't always agree with anybody. I didn't agree with Bush and I campaigned for him. So I had disagreements like some people do. But as a human being, um I cared a great deal about him. He was, a de- he was immensely popular with Arizona voters. For decades, he was winning elections by double digits, and the Republican Party couldn't stand him. The Maricopa County Republican Party censured him just like the Democrats did to Kirsten Cinema. There was a huge disconnect. There has been for a long time between party leadership and party voters. And this is the culmination of why it needs to change. Karen Taylor Robeson who was a challenger in the primary and lost to Kerry Lake, put out a tweet today and said this. AZGOP has spent the last four years losing every major statewide race, and we are currently in the weakest position in Arizona we've been in as a party in 50 years. It's time for Kelly Ward to resign as AZGOP chair. I read part of her statement. It was interesting. Um, it said, I want to say this, and I left the part off of congratulating candidates. I'm trying to expedite some of this. I also want to say this. I've seen enough. Um, Kelly, uh, Kelly Ward's leadership of the Republican Party is an unmitigated disaster. I am skipping through part of this statement because I read a lot of it already. When she took office via a parliamentary trick at the 2019 statutory meeting, the state party coffers were flush. The previous chairman had left over $400,000 in the bank, more than enough to cover operations and continue the important work of party building and voter registration. Ward had every opportunity to succeed, and yet she failed and failed and failed again. I'm going to skip down to more of this. At, on Ward's watch, the Arizona GOP has allowed our state to vote Democrat for president for the first time in a generation, has lost two United States Senate races along with the governor's office. More concerned with stoking division and settling old scores, Kelly Ward has led our party into a deep morass with a, no real plan 
for the future. And while we celebrate the victories of strong conservative leaders like Maricopa County Attorney Rachel Mitchell, Congressman-elect uh, Juan Siscomani, Representative-elect Matt Gress, there is no denying the simple fact that our party is a rudderless and is rudderless and leaderless. Consider this is the first time since post-Watergate election in 1974 that Republicans have lost the majority of statewide races in an election cycle. Kelly Ward is passionate about her views and claims to be a conservative, but she is not a leader. She is not a winner. The party cannot afford two more years of her as chairman. For the good of the party, she claims to love, and for the future of the state that we all share, cherish, Kelly Ward must do the right thing. Kelly Ward must resign as the Arizona Republican Party chairman. We need a fresh start in the AZ GOP, and it starts with new leadership at the top. Signed, Karen Taylor Robeson. So, is that the case? Is there now a bigger divide in the Republican Party, and does this fall at the feet of party leadership in Arizona? I would say that there's a mixed bag of problems that they're facing, and this is what is unique, so interesting about this. I think the same problems exist in the Democratic Party, but winning takes care of a lot of problems. What's interesting about what the Republicans have done here and what voters in Arizona have said, the Republicans statewide are still the number one voter demographic. If you're the number one voter demographic, more than independents, more than Democrats. Now, in Maricopa County, independents are number one by a very small margin. But statewide, it's still the Republicans that lead in in registration. If that's the case, how is it? That it looks as if, with the exception of two races, it's going to be four to two, unless, of course, Abe Hamaday can pick up enough. It's still possible for him to win the attorney general's race. Then it would be a three-three split. If you have the tailwind behind you of voter registration lead, if you have the tailwind behind you of a poor um, poll numbers for the sitting president in a midterm election year, where classically, historically, the minority party picks up big wins. If we have seen in the district seats going to the United States Congress that Republicans have gained seats, and in the district seats, you have seen the Arizona State Legislature remain by one seat in each chamber, which means they didn't gain nor lose any ground. They have maintained their control of the state legislature. How is it that the statewide candidates didn't win going away? How is it that that very conservative governors and or people and governors like we saw in Georgia and like we've seen in uh, in uh, Governor Noam and we've seen in Texas and we've seen in Florida were very conservative governors, both on economy, social issues, border issues. They are very conservative and very outspoken are winning going away by big numbers. We don't see those wins in Arizona. And it's a question that the Arizona Republican Party had better wrestle with because for a long time they leaned on demographics. They leaned on this huge majority. I've watched this. This is coming to a head for Republican voters in Arizona. I've been watching this happen for 15 years. Go back to 1995 when I moved here and take a look at what the the majorities were in the House and the Senate in the state of Arizona. It was as dark red as you could possibly get, and it has been chipped away. And to say, and this is an unfair thing to say, that this is because of the influx of people from California. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Texas has people get going there from California in droves because they have no state income tax. The largest migration of New Yorkers into Florida happened this past year. The largest migration in a single month ever into the state of Florida from New York. 
and DeSantis won by 20 points. So it's not just California. It isn't the demographic change that's causing this to happen. There is more to it than that. There is more to it than that. Um, I, I, I've got so much more I want to say. I'll just, just say this very quickly. In the early 2000s, when my, my, uh, my time of getting involved happened, there used to be an event that the Republican Party held, and it was called the Trunk and Tusk. And it was a huge fundraiser, thousands of dollars for a table, and it was a night for Republicans to raise money for the party coffers. That event went away because the people with the deep pockets that used to donate to the AZGOP now donate to individual candidates and causes, but they do not vote. They do not donate to the AZGOP. And what used to be flush with cash and the ability to help candidates in close races across the state no longer can do that. Not to the degree they had to do in the past. And I think that they need to take a good hard look at being a big tent party again. And if you got an R next to your name, you're welcome because that's not been the case for a very long time. And it's coming to a head for Republicans now. Coming up in a moment, we get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. We call it Did You Hear This? So please stick around for it. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, time to get caught up on the headlines. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Last night, our Arizona election saw a result in the gubernatorial race. Democrat Katie Hobbs projected to defeat Republican Carrie Lake by just about 20,000 votes. What is next for the Arizona Republican Party? That's the, that remains to be seen. You either What you either do is what teams do, and they are a team and they should be a team, is that you sit down, you reflect, you take a good hard look at what you're good at and what you're not good at, you come become better by it, and you commit to being better in the long run, or you completely fracture and you go away. In which direction this party goes, I don't know. Right now it's a low point, lowest point in about 50 years. They have got to make some real, real deep assessments and see if they can improve going into the very important presidential election in just two years. Tonight, we will hear from the former president himself. Trump's advisors say that he will go forward and announce his third presidential campaign tonight at Mar-a-Lago. What are the pros and cons of a Trump presidency run in 2024? Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, The pros are it's going to be good for ratings because we are going to have a lot to talk about. That's going to be the pros. The cons are, are we going backward in, in what the American people are looking at now? If you look at polls, Ron DeSantis in four key polls as ahead of the former president. And is the window closing where even Republican, staunch Republican voters that supported Donald Trump twice for president are saying it's time to move in a different direction. So we'll see which direction this one goes. You are listening to Did You Hear This? Uh, We catch you up on the headlines every day at this time. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection released its October operational update. Despite the perception that undocumented immigrants who are deported simply sneak back into the country, the Department of Homeland Security says 185,000 October's encounters involve people who had never been handled by DHS or Customs. What will a new head of Border Customs and Patrol need to do to bring down these numbers? To be honest with you, again, this is about policy from the 
the top. We have to have an enforcement first policy. And I don't mean mean spirited. I don't mean inhumane. I mean, we have to have enforcement first policies, which take away the incentives for people to come here. That's first and foremost. It doesn't matter who your leadership is. Now, I don't agree with the prior leadership that just left, but new leadership is not going to matter unless they have new policies to enforce. We need more people on the border. We need better technology on the border and we need better policies for when you're captured of what happens and how you are not allowed to stay. And then you're prevented from coming in again. Whatever it takes to take away the incentive is what's going to get us ahead in this. Earlier today, Governor-elect Katie Hobbs gave a victory speech and spoke of unity. For those Arizonans who didn't vote for me, know that I will work just as hard for you. Because even in this moment of division, I believe there is so much more that connects us. What did you think of her speech? Um, I got to tell you, it was the best I th- I, that she has sounded when I've heard her speak. And I, that's not an insult. That's a compliment. If she can stick to that, she'll be a popular governor. At least with there's a lot of independents that will will like to hear at a time that we keep hearing about division to have somebody say, I'm going to be a governor for all Arizonans. The warning I would say is this. The president of the United States gave the same message when he took office and then he went in a different direction going after what he called radicals and going after um, where he, the MAGA. Republicans, and it divided the country further. If she can stick to these things where she talks about water and some of the other things, even if people disagree with her path to get there, they will agree with those of the challenges and the issues that should be taken up by the Arizona people, and she might actually be a popular governor, but we'll see. Great job, Julia. As always, that is Did You Hear This for Another Day? We'll do it again tomorrow. Uh, We're going to stay on this topic. There is really uh, no reason to move off of it. We've got more from the Hobbs speech that we want you to hear um, and and what what the governor-elect had to say. Um, It will be interesting and to see what happens next. And we're going to dive into a little more of the mechanics of it and what it's going to look like. But also, we keep talking about this why. And and there have been some emphatic statements that are being made by people that that they did make during the primary process that weren't being made during the general election process except when they went to the voting booth. Were there a big number of Republicans that either didn't vote Republican or they voted for Democrats? That's a great question. We're going to talk about that coming up next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, a reminder, if you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, you can do it. It's very simple and any advice you have. And this week, the Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers at higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Let's jump into some of the results. And, well, they're not all in. Not all ballots have been counted, but enough have been counted to call some of the races. As it stands right now, we know that Mark Kelly is going to remain the senator. He is leading right now by over 125,000 votes. In the government. Governor's race. Katie Hobbs has been declared the winner. She leads by 18,500 votes right now. Will that lead grow or will it shrink? It doesn't matter at this point. People are saying there's not enough votes to count where Carrie Lake could catch up. She's been declared the winner. Katie Hobbs gave a victory speech today. We're going to get to more of that in just a moment. Uh, Adrian Fontes has won the Secretary of State's office. He is leading right now at 120,500 votes. Chris Mays is leading the Attorney General's race by a razor thin margin of 2,269. Votes. Now you're talking about a two and a half million votes being cast. 
and only 2,200 votes separate the candidates. That's probably destined for a recount. The state treasurer's office was over before it started. It's the one race the Republicans were comfortably ahead the whole time. Kimberly Yee has, is leading right now by 278,500 votes over Martin Quezada. And then in the superintendent of public instruction, this has gone back and forth and back and forth since they started counting votes. And right now, Tom Horn, the Republican, is leading by 7,300 votes. But again, you've got 2.5 million votes that have been counted. Who knows? That may also go to a recount when all is said and done, but we will find out when the next drop, and there's a few more drops to come, but we should have more clarity and answers. So when you look at what happened at the state legislature, at the end of the legislative sessions, the Republicans held the control of the House and Senate by one seat in each chamber. It looks as if they have maintained that lead. We know it in the in the Senate. We're, I'm sure of it in the House, but that's where they go. In the federal races, there have been uh, some Republican flips. So now it's going to be six uh, six four, I believe, is going to be the spread, or is it is it six three for Republicans? Um, well, no, because you got Greg Stanton. So you are seeing in the legislative races or in the federal races right now, District One, David Schweikert is now leads by three thousand votes. Eli Crane flipped the seat. Take from O'Halloran. Ruben Gallego retained his seat. Um, you have in District 4, Greg Stanton won by 32,000 votes. Andy Biggs won handily by over 60,000. Uh, Juan Siscomani projected to be the winner in his race and Raul Grajova in District 7. So we are you are seeing a, a, a flip now where you are seeing more. You've got the three Democrats and four Republicans. What you're seeing in these races, Debbie Lesko and uh, Congressman Gosar held on to their seats. So there was nobody challenging them. So it is now more Republicans going from Arizona than there are Democrats when it was the other way around not too long ago. So when I talked about a mixed bag earlier today, when you look at how these races play out and it's going to take a long time to decipher, we all have opinions. But when you look at the the races and you look at, generally speaking, the Republicans have been seen as better on on security, on safety issues, and they've been seen as better on financial issues. This is not every voter, but this is classically social issues, abortion and others like that and issues of education. You have seen Democrats get the nod from voters most of the time, that they are better equipped to handle those issues. I find it fascinating that the opposite has happened when it comes to the vote. Katie Hobbs is, has won the, Dem- uh, the governor's race, and Tom Horn right now is leading. I don't know that it's going to hold up, but right now he is leading in the superintendent's race. I think that there has been a definite shift in the mindset of voters in Arizona and across the country when it comes to education that they want to see some changes. Now, we are going to see one of the things things that happened. Um, and I want you to hear uh, what uh, the governor-elect had to say about this specifically, was she was talking about people and what direction we're going to go and the things we're going to change and what we're going to do. We'll work to make Arizona a hub for business and entrepreneurship. We'll create economic opportunity for all Arizonans and build better educational opportunities for STEM jobs and apprenticeships and apprenticeships for those who don't get a four-year degree. It's time to secure and modernize Arizona's water supply by better conserving and managing our water and upgrading our infrastructure. It's time to hold corporations accountable who want to give our water away to foreign governments like Saudi Arabia. 
because we need that water here for our families and businesses. It's interesting when she talks about those issues because water is an issue. And if, if she sticks to that model, if she sticks to this outline, there are going to be a lot of disagreements from people. But if those are the priorities, I think you're going to see a lot of success. What's interesting, uh, what I mean by a lot of success is she will have a lot of popularity with people. When you look at the Ducey administration, it was uh, Governor Ducey focused, was laser focused on uh, business diversification and intentional growth. And there were a lot of other issues he had to take up when it came to education, which is really fascinating. Governor Ducey helped usher in a huge raise for teachers. Now, they, the Red for Ed movement forced his hand, but when he was confronted by them, he answered with a yes. Long before the protests, the protests happened anyway with 70-something thousand people marching on the Capitol. But the governor went to work with the legislature, and he spoke to other education specialists, not the teachers' unions, and said, we're going to get this done for teachers. Now, whether it was enough, we know that more and more money is being spent. We are spending so much more money in education in Arizona that it has tripped that spending law that was passed in the 80s where two-thirds majority still has to be passed. Has to be, you know, they have to get to override the spending so that that money can go into the into the hands of the school districts. But it, Republicans are not known for being education advocates. But I think one of the legacies of the Ducey administration is going to be also school choice. That the school choice part of this is a big issue for a lot of people in Arizona. It's one of the reasons why you are seeing a Republican leading for the superintendent of public schools. This is not a knock necessarily against Kathy Hoffman. It is the people of Arizona saying we want a different approach to education. And this ESA expansion is going to be a big piece of that. I want you to hear the governor-elect as she was talking about the clear message. But for those of you who prefer to obstruct, spread misinformation, and continue to pursue an extreme agenda out of touch with this state, take note of the results of this election. The voters sent us a loud and clear message. They rejected the chaos because we have urgent problems and they need and expect all of us to deliver. So let's roll up our sleeves and get to work. So what are some of those problems? She says she's going to work with both parties. And so part of that is also going to be about education. Um, She's going to be a governor for all is something else that she said. And when she talked about education, she said we're going to put more money into public education. And then she repeated public education, meaning that she doesn't like the ESA program as it's been passed. The, um, The problem with that is it's becoming very, very popular. And before we close out today, we're going to talk about that popular of people wanting school choice and why. This is where you have to listen to what people want, but not just what they want, but why they want it. That is another piece of this. Also, if you didn't hear the comments that were made by a former gubernatorial candidate and Karen Taylor Robeson, we'll talk a little bit more about her calling for the resignation of the Republican Party chairwoman, Kelly Ward. We'll talk about that next. values 
and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. We, Of course, what we are talking about all day is the elections and uh, the, the governor-elect giving her speech today at a victory rally, which was carried live here. You can go to KTAR.com and watch it if you'd like. Coming up just afternoon, another election special is going to happen. This is this is the best place for election coverage as we still have a couple of races going down to the wire. So I'm going to mix a couple of topics. One of the things that the governor-elect said is that they were going to put more money in public education. Then she paused and said public education to be very clear that this was going to go against the ESA program, the ESA expansion, the education savings account program. Well, here is a story. From the Wall Street Journal, thousands of students seek $7,000 payments under Arizona voucher law. Thousands of Arizona students have applied for the nation's largest voucher program, which allows any child in the state to receive $7,000 each year of their K-12 education while receiving instruction at home or attending private school, state data shows. And this is going to be an issue that I think that the governor-elect is going to have to navigate very carefully because if this becomes very, very popular with her key demographic of working-class families, this is going to be an obstacle for her because the teachers' organizations and the school boards hate not having control of these dollars. But if the children and their parents like this idea, this could be a mixed bag, and I'll explain why. I always pull headlines about what the problems are. And the the issue is there is going to be bad in every area. You know that there are bad cops, there are bad firefighters, there are bad teachers, there are bad lawyers. There are people that are just not good people in every industry. There are doctors that are not good people. Um, so I want to read a couple of things. Eric Swalwell, um, who is a Democrat, Representative Eric Swalwell, put out a tweet Saying the California Democrat insisted that it's that these voucher laws making uh, parents making major decisions in education of their children is akin to putting patients in charge of their own surgeries, clients in charge of their own trials. Please tell me what I'm missing here. This is so stupid. Well, the fact of the matter is you are in charge of your own defense. Um, I, I can tell you that for a fact. If you go into court, you get advised by a lawyer, but you call the shots. If you want to testify, you have to be able to testify. Even if your lawyer advises against it, you choose what surgeon you go to. You choose your doctor. You choose the course of care, and they are to implement your choices. So his his premise is flawed, but this is part of the reason why parents in education, they want more choices. It's why we're seeing Tom Horn, the Republican, leading a Democrat at a time when Democrats are faring very, very well in statewide races. Here's another one. This is out of Arizona. It's a national story from the Daily Caller, but it's from Arizona. Teacher and her husband, he's a teacher at another school, by the way, up in the Lake Havasu School District, both lose their jobs. Why? Because she has an OnlyFans page. She has an OnlyFans page, which you know is porn. You paid for porn, which people say, hey, what they do in the privacy of their own bedroom is their business and nobody else's business. Well, how about this? They were recording it in the classroom. Now, nobody was there. It was on off hours. There were no students in the room. Mm. So parents want choices. Um, Maryland School District unveils LGBTQ book listed a list that teaches words intersex drag queen to pre-K students. 
Um, so what, when I when you see these things, these are the reasons why parents want more choice in school and more of a say in what's going on in school. That's why this voucher program is popular. So I, I pull this issue out to talk about because this could be one of those issues that becomes – a sticking point for the governor when she takes office because she is very well backed by the teachers' unions, the teachers' organizations. They're not really unions, by the way. They're teacher organizations, but we're a right-to-work state, so it's, it's not much of a union. I don't mean that as an insult. It's an identifier. Um, but what the, what the problem is now is the teacher organizations hate the ESA expansion, but the parents may love it. If you've got a child and you're a working class family where you could never afford, no matter how much you sacrificed, to send your child to a private school where they would flourish, or you can't afford to do what needs to be done to homeschool your child or send them to a micro school or transport them to a uh, charter school, if you can't do that and now you have the opportunity, how is that a bad thing? And this is the part of it when Eric Swalwell says, I don't understand or I don't get what am I missing here? This is exactly what he's missing. What he's missing is families that are trapped in schools that are underperforming. This is not a knock against teachers. It's not a knock against the school districts as a whole. It's a knock against the system. The system as we know it is broken. And the kids that are stuck are the ones that have parents that can't afford choices. This school choice program gives them choices. And I don't understand how anybody sees that as a bad thing, except for the people that want to hang on to the power that comes with the dollars. I believe this is going to build uh, competition. This is going to make private schools um, attractive to some families, but it'll make public schools work harder to cater to the needs of the parents. Let's get reading. Let's get going on our math skills. And let's make our schools better. That's what this is about. Uh, keep it locked here. you got the best election coverage that is available. Available right here at KTAR. So whether it's on air or on the website, KTAR.com, make sure you keep it locked on us. We're out of time. Social media users at Broomhead KTAR is where you can find me personally on Twitter. At Broomhead Show, update you on what we have coming up on the show. Mike Broomhead, all one word, on Instagram. We're back again tomorrow morning just after 8 with another edition of the show. Until then, have a great day. God bless.